Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. On today's episode, we are talking with uh, author Mark DeVilliere, whose recent book, Hell and Damnation, A Sinner's Guide to Eternal Torment, looks at how societies, in particular our society, has created the idea and concept of hell and the afterlife. Uh, Mark is a writer from Nova Scotia. You can follow him uh, on markdevilliere.com, as well as check out any of his books on Amazon. His most recent book, Hell and Damnation, is available now. If you like this podcast, be sure to like, like, subscribe, and send it to all your friends. And thank you for listening. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. You're listening to... I'm probably wrong about everything. Just to let you know, the lightning seems a couple of hours off yet, so we're good oh, to okay. go. Great. <laughs> how uh, how serendipitous, how ironic that there's lightning and we're talking about... Uh, yeah. Hell and damnation here. <laughs> do you do you have a um, video? No. Okay. All right. No. That's all right. But you can see me okay. I can see you fine. Yeah. Great. Great. Okay. So, uh, well, thank you for your time today. And and just to be, uh, just because I know you guys are ahead. Um, yeah. How much time do you have here? Oh, whatever you need. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll set my timer up for an hour because I know as I start talking, I uh, okay. time escapes me. Yeah, that's probably enough. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right. So, Mark, I, uh, I, I'll be honest, I haven't finished your book yet. I'm about halfway through. All right. And uh, I could tell that you've had a lot of fun in writing this book. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's, there are people who take this thing seriously, but I'm, I'm not one of them. That's good. I think that works to your benefit. Yes. Um, cause, cause kind of throughout there, there is quite a bit of humor and, uh, I do find that, you know, hell is just, it, it's such an interesting topic because in your, in your writing, you draw from all kinds of different religions, not just, you know, the Western occidental religions, but That's you talk true. about, uh, you know, you, that there's, uh, you talk about the Vikings, you talk about Zoroastrian. Um, what was your inspiration to write a book on such <laughs> I, a topic? I think what, what kicked it off, I think, was I was reading a, a biography of Galileo. Yeah. And I read there that uh, at some point, between trying to persuade the Pope of the heliocentric view of the universe, he uh, calculated backwards from the presumed size of Satan <laughs> and Dante's notion that Satan's navel marked the dead center of the earth. And then he reported to, uh, uh, back to an audience of clerics in Florence that hell is around 650 kilometers below the surface of the earth. Uh, or if you read his calculations another way, that the dome of hell has, has, has a roof 640 kilometers thick. And it seemed to me if a, if a, uh, uh, a serious scientist like Galileo can be seduced into thinking that was even, even 
remote, remotely plausible that I should look into this in a, in a, more, in a more interesting way. And of course, then I, read, I realized that our hell or the Judeo-Christian hell is, 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 is we, we think of it as the hell, but that's a pretty parochial view of things. Almost every culture and every religion has a view of hell and some of them are remarkably different and some of them are more or less the same. But what interests me that more cultures have visions of hell than actually have views of heaven. They have, more people believe in hell than actually believe in heaven. That's, I thought that was interesting. That is, that is quite interesting. And I, I, I do like, because uh, there's a bit of a commentary on heaven in your writing as well. And you're like, you right. know, this is, <laughs> it, it, it'd be like constantly living around your CEO or boss or something like that. Well, it, it sounds really boring. The, 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 <laughs> the, the, the descriptions you read of heaven sound mm. really tedious. I mean, it's, yeah. the, the read, uh, you're with a choir of angels and they're surrounding the throne of God and they're singing Jose, 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 glory to be the God. And they're doing this like forever. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how long, how many millennia can you listen to this song without sort of, you know, taking the tune out, out of the picture and just yeah. turning it off? Sounds like sounds like one long rave or something like that, right? Like well, yeah, but how, sooner but or later hard. you're like, okay, I need to get a drink of water or something. Yeah, yeah, let's <laughs> let's do something a little different now. Right, something, yeah. Um, but it was interesting. I find some of the hell. You know, one of the interesting things I found about this is that many cultures who believe in hell and uh, Buddhism. Uh, which doesn't is one of those religions that doesn't have any sense of heaven because it's mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's reincarnation, but they they do uh, have uh, very meticulous views of what hell is like, and the interesting thing to me is there's a different hell for every sin, so that. Um, you don't all go to the same place. If you if you're a murderer, you go to one hell, and if you're a thief, you go to another hell. And in in uh, some uh, versions of Buddhism, particularly the uh, Burmese version, there are forty thousand and forty different hells. Yeah, that's a, a, a one hell for each sin. That's a lot of sins. That's I mean, very many, specific. I, I wondered who caught that, who counted them up. But you yeah. know, some of the sins are, are by our standards pretty trivial, like. Mm. People who throw broken crockery over their neighbor's wall is a, has a hell for itself. And people who borrow uh, library books uh, but don't give them back, pretending they've lost them, there's a hell for that too. That seems to be a pretty good one. I think they should, uh, they should believe we should all believe in that one. <laughs> and and, and, and you know, uh, throwing fleas out in the snow, that's, that has a hell of its own too, because that's a sin you can't uh, any wildlife is uh, protected. You sh you're not even allowed to kill a flea. So, if you if you throw one out in the snow, by definition, you're you're going to spend not eternity because Buddhists don't believe in eternity. You're going to spend a very long time in hell. So, because because my understanding of the Buddhist religion, as you're saying, is that hell is very much like a purgatory that you're 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 yeah. serving your time and then you're reborn. Yes, the point, the point of going to hell in Buddhism is not that you're being punished. That's not the point. The yeah. point is you're being punished until you see, until you, uh, see the light. See, right. when you, if, you learn, if you learn the lessons and you can improve yourself, and eventually you'll get out. Now, it, this could take a very long time. Uh, Buddhist um, religionists 
have a pretty vague idea of how long this is going to be. It varies between several thousands of years to several trillions of years, uh, depending on, on your cosmologist. But it's, it's a very long time, but it's not forever. And it's, I think right. it's our hell. We're the ones who invented eternity uh, in eternal torment. And I think um, Christianity was, was first, uh, first come in that one. Which is which is quite interesting because uh, um, now I, I grew up in Western Canada, which right. you know it's pretty uh, at the time it was homog- you know pretty homogenetic uh, culture. I'm not sure, saying that yeah. word right, yeah. but uh, and there was you know talk of church, and I remember going to church, uh-huh. and I apologize to my listeners for repeating myself, but when I was about four years old, my dad right. showed me this video game Doom. Oh yeah, and in this game you go around and you see all these like satanic monsters, and I remember thinking like this is so cool, and then I started drawing these pictures and I'd go to Sunday school, and they were like, "What is wrong with this child?" Right? Yeah, right. And uh, so for me, it's like the the iconography of hell right. has always been way more fascinating and cool than heaven. Yes, indeed. Right. Yes. And it's, oh, I think so. Well, but as I said, as we as we discussed a little earlier, heaven is is homogenous. It's uh, nothing going on. You, yeah. There's no eating or sleeping or, or 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 sex or anything interesting. It's just listening to angels singing. I mean, as you say, an eternal rave by that standard. Oh no, that, but whereas hell, uh, depending on who on which version you believe, there's certainly a lot going. You can't say there's not a lot going on down there. And it's always down there. Almost always, mm. it's down there. In 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 any cultures, is it because you did mention in your book that some people thought it was uh, outside of Earth, that it was on a different planet or something? There, like there, there are some writers who believed it was in the center of the sun because that's right. the hottest, hottest place I can imagine. Yeah. And so some of some of it, uh, and some of the earlier versions of Islam, there there are views that. Uh, that Allah was uh, situated hell in the furthest reaches of the cosmos, unspecified just because they didn't exactly know how the cosmos, how big the cosmos was. Um, but almost all of them, including the modern versions of Islam, modern versions of Christianity, uh, almost every uh, version of hell now, it's, it's subterranean, it's underground, and it's maybe 640 kilometers down, if you believe Galileo. Now, because I was, there was a book that I had read recently. I'm just trying to find the uh, author. Right. Um, and his was, it, it was very, uh, it's called Heaven and Hell by um, Bart Learman. Are you, are you familiar? Oh, Learman, er, er, yes, Erman. that's right. Le, Le, yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I know, I'm familiar with him. Yes, he was a neuroscientist, I believe. Really? I think so, yeah. And that's why people actually took his book seriously at first. Not so much when they read it. Because, when, yeah, when I read Heaven and Hell, it's called Heaven and Hell, A History of the Afterlife. And it's by yeah. Bart Ehrman. And Ehrman. Oh, that's not the same one I'm thinking of. Right. No. Okay. Well, he was, he was originally a theologian. And right. then he started researching this stuff. And he's like, uh, wait a second. Yeah. You know, this isn't, eternity is a, a long damn time. You know, right. a time we can't even fathom. But right. he's very well versed in all of you know, sure. early, early Christianity and stuff like that. Yeah. And so much of what 
the Western church believes in is, as you describe in your book, it's kind of this weird, like they're slapping on different cultures and different beliefs and they're create, they, they created something that, you know, yeah. Jesus didn't necessarily believe in because he was, a, he was a Jew, right? Yes. Right. In fact, what's interesting is that the, the, the Jews don't really have a hell. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that because, um, they, everybody in, in, in early Judaism anyway just was sent to a place called Shul which is just a dark and dreary place with nothing much to do nothing much to eat nothing just and they just sort of sat there forever so um, uh, I don't think um, there, and there are a few other cultures that don't have hell but most of them do most of them do well there's one part in your book uh, and it's actually close to the beginning. And you're talking about this place where there's these footprints by, yeah. the, by the, the river there or something like that. Is that correct? Yes. And, yeah. and it's in this part. And as I was reading it, this is what I was thinking is that, you know, we have always had to make sense of our world and to tell stories. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think there are a number of reasons why we invented help. Part, one, of the th one of them is we, we, we don't really understand uh, why, we don't really understand death. So there must be something after death. That's part of it. And, and heaven and hell are part of those. The other part of it is that there's a, this, there's a long recognition that evil people do mm. better on earth than they should. <laughs> really, they, it's not fair that evil people prosper, that murderers get away with it, and that thieves become rich and so on. So uh, I think hell was invented in this sense that there has to be some kind of evening up mm -hmm. after the fact to balance everything out. So therefore hell must exist. Uh, otherwise uh, the creator would not have enabled evil people to do well on earth. So that's, one of, that's the other reason for it, I think. And the, and the, we have to make sense of it. You're right. It, people like to make sense of, of uh, life generally. And uh, that evening up and making sense of it is, is, a, is a really quite a positive way of looking at it, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's because, you know, we, we're all trying to uh, uh, answer the questions of our own anxieties. Yeah, and that's right. Go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead, finish. Well, I, I was going to say that I just find like going back to this medieval notion of hell is forever. Yeah. And it's to me, that's like the biggest argument against an, you know, omnipotent, yeah. all loving right. creator. It's like, yes, well, if, so. if you knew that you were going to do this, then, you know, why did this happen? <laughs> but I think you, you should remember that, that this eternal torment thing and this notion that hell is forever was right. really a fairly, it was a medieval thing, as you just pointed out. It, it wasn't in early Christianity, it didn't have anything of the kind. It was invented in the Lateral Council uh, in somewhere in the 1200s, who they uh, determined that uh, it, it must be forever because, um, because why? Because sin was so... Uh, awful that there must be some punishment that fitted the crime i guess that's the reason for it and and uh, i always loved by the way Willie, woody allen's uh, definition of uh, of eternity eternity is a 
very long time, especially toward the end, he said. I thought that was a pretty nice way of putting it. Um, but it was a very, a fairly recent thing. And, and um, no other religion has adopted anything similar, which is, I thought, interesting enough. In, in terms of this internal torment, there's no other yeah. culture but the Christian one. Yes, that's correct. Well, uh, Islam, which came after Christian, of course, right. has adopted parts of that. But even then, uh, most uh, Islamic scholars seem to believe that uh, there would be a, some kind of a just that uh, that uh, the the authorities, Allah in their case, would uh, would uh, justly judge um, uh, sinners and and uh, assign them punishment commensurate with their sins. And so not forever. So yeah, it remains only Christianity that is, that is, uh, believes this is eternal. And I think, uh, it, you know, of course, we in our, in our innocence believe, I've always believed that our hell is kind of the hell, but right. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like how you explain that, you know, transmorphigration, whatever you want to call yes. it, yeah. uh, from there's the, the Greek hell, there's right. kind of the Roman hell that builds on it. And right. then, you know, Christianity is sort of picking that up. And I wonder if it's sort of, uh, you know, Christianity invaded the Roman Empire, right? And sort of just took over. Yes, it did. Yes. And I, I wonder be- if that having like, because Christianity has drawn from paganism and things like, you know, for example, oh, Christmas and all that stuff. Definitely. And, and integrating it. it. It also adapted from the from the Roman cosmology. I mean, they, Rome, right. Romans had Hades, which is a, a kind of a, a view of hell. Right. Except Hades was a part of the afterlife, and you, once you got down there, after that, then you were judged. And you, if if you were judged um, uh, a good person, then you would go to what they call the Elysian Fields, which is part of Hades. So Hades wasn't all hell. Right. And if you were judged poorly, you would go to a place called Tartarus, which is pretty much equivalent to what we think of as hell. And certainly Christians uh, adopted that from the Greeks and from the Romans and, and absorbed it into their own, uh, their own cosmology and come up with something, a synthesis of both pagan and uh, pre-Christian religions. And um, that's where we ended up with in the Middle Ages. Yeah, so, because... I, I try to think about, um, you know, nowadays, right? Because, for example, there's so much going on in our world that really didn't exist back then. Like, yeah. you know, if you go to hell, is that like having one bar on your Wi-Fi or like, you know, what's, <laughs> yeah, right, right? That's right. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a good analogy because, um, I mean, we've got to the point now where, where the, the kind of pr- – primitive notions of hell and the way that uh, that the um, the sin is defined and punishment is defined it's so out of step with what we know now I mean that's the thing before uh, in, in earlier days before pre-christian days the gods were basically with us all the time and they lived on mountaintops because we didn't know any better and it's, uh, the more we learned about the world the further away gods and devils had to go because first of all deep underground because we didn't know anything about that and then uh, once we understood the makeup of the earth they had to retreat even further and gods receded into the heavens 
and then they receded in time, and then now they become purely abstract. And if you think, anybody who really thinks about it now, trying to defend a physical place where actual sinners go to be actually punished is, is, is very difficult. It conflicts with everything we know about, about anything, and it's very difficult to reconcile what we really know about the world and how we operate in it and what we, what we do with it, how we could manipulate it with the kind of view that there's an omnipotent person either for good or for evil that's governing everything we do. So I think it's, that's, why, uh, that's why hell has been, you know, it's, it's basically lost its, much of its meaning. We say mm. to hell with you, you know, to hell and God, it's hellish hot. It's just a, um, these are just an expression now. I always liked a writer, Washington Post writer called Michael Gerson, who said, for most people, hell is just a kind of parking space for Hitler, you know, <laughs> some place to, to put the really bad guys. You right. know? <laughs> but it's not something we believe it's, it's, it, 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 uh, involves us in our own lives. And I think that's, that's, a, that's definite progress. That is for certainly progress because you know, we are, we're now fortunately a long way from the witch burnings of the mid Middle Ages. Thank God. Well, you, you bring that up in your book. I mean, the Middle Ages, we can't really fathom how, you know, there, there's that saying that, you know, life is brutish, cruel, and short or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Brutish and short. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I forget. Yeah, something like that. I think nasty, brut that. nasty, brutish, and short. Nasty, brutish, and short. But, but the Middle Ages were, you know, I mean, those were the days after when they burned women as witches. But, but they tended to take them out of the flames every now and then, mm. so they didn't die too quickly. So, yeah. so you didn't, didn't spoil didn't spoil the fun of the cheering crowds. And I said, th those were the days when there was a game, a medieval game, of nailing a cat to a tree. And trying to headbutt it to death without having your eyes clawed out—that was that was regarded as, as a fun game in yeah. those days. This was a, you know, I mean, thank, we have we've definitely improved since then. <laughs> we hope. Yes. Well, yeah. and, and and you, you I, I just read that part about the the game with the cats, and I was like, Jesus, like, who who comes up with this stuff? But anyways, exactly. but but that's just it. Is that in the Middle Ages, you know, life yeah. kind of sucked. So to put it, to put it shortly. Yeah. So that's why this place like heaven sounds so great. Like, Oh, I go there and it's angels singing because I'm breaking my back working the farm every day. Right. And, and I'm not, I don't have uh, horrible diseases. I'm not starving. Yeah. Uh, I don't have people uh, over me who are uh, tormenting me. I don't have a, a you know, a, a duke or a landlord or a, overlord that is persecuting me or making me work. I'm not a slave. So you can see from those points of view, that view of heaven would sound sort of okay. Right. From our point of view, it sounds, as we said before, not quite so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so now, again, kind of going back to the, the work that you've done. So right. this is your, your 13th book. Is that correct? Um, I, I, 16th, I think. 16th, yeah. okay. 16th, yeah. Now, now I'll, I'll be, I'm not super familiar with your previous work other than the titles. No, no reason why you would be. There are a lot of people in your position who are not satisfied, <laughs> not familiar with it. Don't, don't be worried about that. Sure. But most of the books, this is very different for me uh, because most of the books I've done are either 
uh, books about Africa for I grew up mm -hmm. in Africa. So yeah. I wrote a lot of books about Africa. I did a lot of traveling there. And most of the books I've written uh, are places that you could actually go and interview people and talk to them and look around and do some reportage. And I did a book, for example, on uh, on the, uh, the state of the world's water. Well, you could, mm. you could go and yeah. talk to people about that. You could go and look at the lakes and oceans and rivers and so on. Hell is obviously a little different. Traveling there is a little trickier, right? So <laughs> you had to rely on people uh, who claim to have been there and then uh, uh, people who claim to have uh, talk to people who've been there and then people who write about the people who claim to have talked to have people who've been there and that's pretty much all yeah and then but if you look in early medieval christianity there are a lot of what uh, are supposedly eyewitness uh, reportage from from hell virtually every um, saint and medieval uh, uh, cleric seems to have at least been to hell either in his dreams or in a vision or at least know somebody who's been there and actually been there himself. There are all kinds of visions of people who claim to know exactly what it's like. Um, and, and now, again, from our point of view, it seems that it's so, imp the whole implausibility of it, I think, is the interesting thing to me because um, we're more skeptical now. We know more. Uh, you know, this is not to say we're not, we're not still, susceptible to paranoid views. I mean, this whole notion that COVID-19 is caused mm -hmm. by G5 networks, this is, this is no more sensible or credi credible than, than, the, than the visions of, you know, a monstrous hairy horned Satan with a, you know, with a, uh, a, a three foot long bifurcated penis, which was a big <laughs> thing in the Medi Middle Ages. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That part was but funny anyway, yes, too, I yeah. have done most of the books I've done. I did some on Africa. I did, but it's always they've always been either current events or or histories which are searchable, or you can go to the places where they were set and so on. This is this is new. This was this was way to me. I I could write this. I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to interview anybody. I just sat at my desk and and uh, read uh, uh, medieval uh, manuscripts and. Uh, and thought to myself, my God, they really did believe this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, go, going back on that bifurcated penis, and yeah. you, you talked about the witches and how during the witch trials, they'd tell them whatever yeah. they wanted, right? Because they're yeah. being tortured. Yeah. And then you, you make it mention that like some of them had more fun than others or something like that. Well, well, there were two, there were two views of, uh, for example, I'm just, I'm just trying to find it on the... Uh, um, in my book here, there was a paragraph, uh, a girl called Pierre d'Ancre who wrote about the witches of the Franche-Comte, which is a, a province in southwestern right. France. Yeah. And he was, a, he was a witch finder and he, he personally interrogated and burned up to 200 witches. And yeah. he, uh, he was the one who, uh, his people, the more he tortured them, the more lurid their stories became, of course, because they knew that that's what he wanted. And... Um, and uh, in his, they described uh, uh, Satan's penis as uh, as long as an older bush, twisted and wound up like a snake, and made out of horn. Uh, the account sort of varied. Whereas the the rival um, the, the rival uh, French um, province called La Borde, uh, where their which their witches who they were tortured, they said. 
uh, devil's penis was no more than an inch long. So Pierre Lanka thought, well, our witches were better served by the devil than theirs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's to that degree that they've gone, uh, uh, I just, it's so hard to believe that, um, you know, but even the, the Salem witch trials in the, in mm. the uh, United States, uh, they, they similarly, they uh, tortured women by pricking them with a knife to find dead spots where the devil would have touched them to prove they were witches. And of course, they, they didn't have such dead spots, so they kept bleeding and eventually they died. Wow. So this wasn't that long ago. This wasn't even medieval. This is the 1600s. I mean, well, so I mean, because I've actually interviewed people who practice uh, different pagan religions yeah. and, and Wicca. Right. And one question that I've always wondered is why has there been so much fear around women? Like, does that go back to the, the right. Eve, Adam and Eve thing or what's the history there? Uh, well, but it's certainly the true in the medieval periods, women were regarded as, as um, uh, carnal or, you know, really, I right. mean, they were regarded as something being, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly as a quote, as a quote, a Kramer, who was an experienced inquisitor, who said here, let me quote you, women were, were more carnal than a man, as is clear from her many abominations. It should be noted, there was a defect in the formation of the first woman, she was, she, since she was formed from a bent rib, that is a rib of the breast, which is bent in a contrary direction to a man. I mean, this is it's it's hard not to think of this as completely demented <laughs> but people were people were afraid of women for some reason yeah they they were afraid of being led astray they were being uh, uh, and you know this the humorlessness of these witch finders I, I'm, I'm sure you, you came across that uh, that uh, joke uh, in my book which is many a bawdy medieval joke which this guy Kramer actually took seriously there was a joke that witches actually commonly stole penises and kept them in a jar and grew the table and kept them in a nest, feeding them oats to make them grow. Well, this was a, a stupid, bawdy medieval joke that Kramer actually took for real. He thought people actually did this. Well, yeah, Wicca now and people who practice witchcraft now are so benign by comparison. I mean, they, in their view, uh, uh, witchcraft is a force for good, not for evil, and so it's it's uh, it's somehow mutated from something wicked into something benign. And this, again, you know, we have improved. <laughs> it's hard to see. We have. It's hard to believe that we that we haven't uh, uh, at least be, become a little, little more sophisticated with these things than we used to. But I I do like what you what you said about. Um you know, everything is just peaches and cream. You know, we're all, we're so far forward, so advanced, as we like to say, until right. but, you have yeah. something like COVID and then you start yeah. to see this mass hysteria take over. Well, that's right, hysteria. Yeah. And there was one, even just this morning, there was some, uh, uh, the American president, Donald Trump, was quoting this woman who believed that it was, it was uh, produced by, demon seed 
that people were lying with the demons and that was causing the severe. I mean, no way. She's a, she's a, she's a purports, purports to be a medical doctor. She was also one, one pushing hydrochloroquine as a, as a, as a cure for it. And um, yeah. And so people are, are susceptible even now mm. to the most uh, on the face of it, ridiculous um, assumptions. I mean, that's one of them. And the notion that, um, that, you know, Bill Gates is, uh, has created the coronavirus in He's order to Satan. implant, uh, so in order, to, in order to vaccinate everybody so he can implant chips on everybody's skin. In a way, you know, this is not terribly much mm-hmm. more sophisticated than the medieval views of witches, is it? No, I mean, if, if you can believe that, you can believe almost anything. <laughs> and, and, and that taps into this is because, like, you know, going back to that joke of somebody told us as yeah. a joke, and then this <laughs> yeah. person thought it was serious, and then he yeah. went around telling everybody it was serious, and then yeah. they started possibly believing that it and was then, true. And then they read that somewhere, and then they said, well, we're written down somewhere, it must be true. Right. Yeah, and then so Donald Trump rep- said it, but you know it must be true, well, and we're exact- seeing that. It's the same mechanism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. exactly the same way it works now. And although we have become more knowledge, I mean, if we we are more scientific than we were, but we also more, we're in some odd way, as you've just pointed out, we're also as, just as superstitious as we were before. I, I, I love the saying, and, uh, you know, I am not a good flyer, which is strange because my dad right. is a pilot, but I hate being on airplanes. And as yeah. soon as there's turbulence, you know, uh, yeah. when I, I've seen myself do the, I'm not even Catholic, but I'll do the, right. oh, shit, right? <laughs> and yeah, there's that yeah. saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. It's yeah. almost like when we, when there's something that's just so out of our control that we can't yeah, you, understand you, you, it. You really want there to be somebody in control, don't you? And exactly. it's very hard to believe that there, that that life is actually entirely random, and that there's no purpose to it, and we don't have any, uh, any, um, you know, any higher higher uh, purpose than just living our lives and then dying and disappearing. It's hard to believe. It's hard. I mean, you can see why that's difficult for people to grasp. Mm-hmm. You're here now. How can you not be here? And that's, I think, what drove this whole business of uh, religion. It's all this whole drove this business of uh, of uh, heaven, and that you know drove this business of hell. You want to believe that there there's a purpose to it all. Do, and 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 what what do you believe? I've I've never had a religious moment in my entire life. I grew up in a household in which religion was never basically never mentioned. I grew up in South Africa and basically South Africa had bigger problems than worrying about the afterlife. <laughs> and my parents would, it was a curious thing about my parents, they would go to church regularly once a year on Christmas morning. Otherwise it was never, it was just never, never brought up. And I used to go, the only time I ever went to church, I went to church because uh, there was a there was a, a girl in the in the choir that I I I, I she, they were wore short skirts and everything and I admired her knees, and that for me that's the only reason I ever went to church. No, I never I never believed in the afterlife. I never believed in God. I never believed in the devil. And I've just and I've seen no reason in. Uh, I'm now uh, in my eighth decade. I saw no reason to change my mind. Yeah. 
So would you describe yourself as being an atheist? Yeah, I would say. I mean, I think there are some people who say, okay, you're agnostic in that you can't prove that there's no God. But I, I, I look at it the other way. I think people who, the onus is on people who believe to prove that there is one, and they're not able to do that. I keep pointing to miracles, but there are no miracles. Nobody, science has yet to find a single miracle. Not once, not now, not ever. And, you know, science has looked with almost mind-boggling uh, scrutiny, and they've never found anything supernatural. That's not to say we understand everything, because we don't, obviously. But uh, uh, that they're not in within our, our uh, intellectual grasp now doesn't make them uh, supernatural. It just makes them something we don't yet understand. Right. Yeah. And I think we could, uh, uh, you know, that now we, we, we understand things now that we would never even remotely understood a hundred years ago. I mean, uh, 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 the, the quantum world, for example, um, you know, uh, uh, this, the kind of, it, 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 the fact that there are other planets that we are now identified thousands and thousands of other planets surrounding other suns, makes the notion that our planet and our life is, is somehow unique in the universe seem very parochial and local and and sort of limited in its uh, in its um, imagination and i think we're we now understand uh, better than we should understand better than that the fact that there are superstitions still at work well we're, we're still working on it <laughs> well i mean for myself uh, I, I describe myself as an agnostic because I can't right. prove one way or the other. I mean, no. you know, kind of like I wish Santa Claus was real because I love getting right. shit for Christmas, right? But that's <laughs> not real, right? No. So, uh, but when I no. when I look at space and I see all the planets and stuff like that, yeah. I'm like, or, you know, all the stars, I think to yeah. myself, like, you know, for us to be it, I have a hard time personally grasping that. Well, even our, our own little galaxy, which is one of many billions of galaxies in the known universe, our galaxy has seven or eight billion stars. We don't know how many planets there are, but we're discovering that more stars have planets than we thought. And so there's, there have to be at least seven, eight billion planets in our own little corner of the universe. And to think that somehow our little planet, which is a you know, which is a tiny little planet and not the biggest and not the most important. And our star, which is not a very important star, it's a very small, very ordinary star, to think that somehow this was set apart from a, a, a creator as a center of the universe is just ludicrous. Because, I mean, it, it's so, um, it's so puffed up in our view of our own importance. And you know, basically, we're a tiny portion of a of a of a tiny. We're a tiny species on a tiny planet in a tiny galaxy, and um, we'll probably never even get to understand how how far the edge of the universe is, if indeed there is such a place. Well, like I find, I find cosmology more interesting than religion because it's more mysterious in a way. The, the, the sheer mind-boggling size of it 
and the notion that it can expand forever, the notion of infinity. This seems to me, all these seem to be much more interesting than, than some kind of a, a god sitting on a throne in some kind of white robes and a beard. Not interesting at all. Well, going back to what you're saying about infinity, I mean, that's yeah. something that our minds can't fathom. Like we could say, yeah. oh yeah, time's been going on. It, it'll go on forever or whatever. But the fact that it's been always going on before. But you can't grasp forever. It's not possible yeah. to grasp forever. Now, the, the, the current theory is, I understand it anyway, the current theory is that our universe started in a thing called the Big Bang about 14 and a half billion years ago. All right, but then you get to the point where what, what was before that? Well, uh, uh, before the universe. Well, if you read the, the, uh, the current uh, view of uh, cosmology, the question is wrong. There was nothing before that because time itself started at the Big Bang. Well, how? I can't, I mean, for me, I don't, I don't, I can't understand that. I, I, I'm plausible, credible people, uh, smarter than I am, think it's true, but I have a hard time grasping that. I just have a hard time, as you've just uh, mentioned, the notion of infinity and and how far you can't understand how far is infinity well you, there's no there's no end to it and then uh, then i read a cosmological argument a, a couple of months ago with it saying there's actually more than one infinity because if you look at infinity of numbers and then you take each number plus one then there's a new infinity that's bigger than the old infinity to me this is mathematically uh ungraspable i don't get it it, it doesn't I'm, make any sense what's infinity well, plus one to me it right? doesn't make any to me it doesn't make any sense but yeah. there are people who believe this true and there are people, people who say well how did the universe uh, uh began begin from nothing uh and there there's a guy called um uh i forget his name the author who, called, who wrote a book called uh, something from nothing and he, he's argued, took a whole book to argue that actually not only can something spring out of nothing, but something always will spring out of nothing. Well, you know, you lose me. I can't get that. I just don't. Understand. So I'm happy to uh, admit that, uh, that cosmology is more complicated than I'm capable of grasping. But I also find it more interesting than the kind of medieval, limited medieval visions of heaven and hell. I think that it's just more interesting. It's more expansive and it's more open-ended and it's more inventive and it's more just plain interesting isn't it well i i completely agree and there's this medieval notion of uh asceticism yeah well well yeah i mean well you may have well uh, yeah I, the whole monastic the whole monastic view right. i don't quite locking yourself up in a, a cell and contemplating what? How many angels can dance around a pin? How many angels could dance on the on the point of a pin? Uh, um, does it? And where does this get you? I would rather consider how many atoms there were in a in a molecule. But that said, Mark, at least these, it takes you somewhere. The, but but you, you you just got me thinking here, and and please shut shut down this idea because I'm all for that. But. These guys locked up in their towers contemplating yeah. how many angels could dance. How is that any different than the people that are staring at their cell phones blankly all day, just doing the endless scroll? How's that any? 
right? Well, well uh, yeah, so I suppose one is more intern, the other one is at least, they're staring at the screens, but they're staring at something on their screen that somebody else has produced, haven't they? So yes. uh, it, it may not be very interesting stuff they're staring at. It may be some really trivial uh, uh, game that they're playing or, right. or some email that, that, that somebody sent them that they wouldn't normally read any other circumstances, but at least they're staring at something. But to, to turn, if you're sitting in a monastic cell and you, you're looking only entire in, inside your own head, um, at some point, I would say, uh, but maybe my own head is more limited than others, you would get to the end pretty quickly, I would think. Right. And you'd, you'd need at least to re-emerge into the world. And why lock yourself off from the world? The world is really interesting. Why lock yourself off from it? What, to me, is the point? I don't get it. Well, a lot of things I don't get in life, and that's one of them. And, and, and I think, too, that the, where we are in the world, and this is kind of my next question, but when, when you lived back then and all you heard was like fire and brimstone, and then imagine you saw a shark, like a great white shark, right? you'd be like, dude, that is from hell for sure, <laughs> right? But now we know that it's, you know, now we know what it is kind of thing. Yeah. And the same, but this, you could say the same for volcanoes. And yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, volcanoes were widely thought to be the, the, the god Vulcan who was uh, made weapons for the gods. He was, that was him, his workshop downstairs. Well, it seemed more plausible. There was big smokes coming out. Got to be a big <laughs> fire down there somewhere. Yeah. A good god making it. And, and the same with, uh, with um, Mars, who god of war, you know. I mean, the, and the god, and earthquakes, trying to be gods fighting with each other because otherwise, thunder, another one. We knew, everybody knew what thunder was. There was Zeus throwing mm. thunderbolts at his rivals in heaven. Everybody knew that. It was pretty obvious, wasn't it? Yeah. And so, and what was obvious to one generation is not quite so obvious to the other. That's not to say that we're the end of the chain, are we? There are a lot of things we don't understand. And I'm sure we, there are a lot of things that our descendants will say, how the hell could they believe that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you said originally that we create stories to make yeah. meaning of the world. So for yeah. people who are, you know, assholes, yeah. there's got to be a place for them, right? Well, and that's I, I where, think, it, I, I do think that's one of the reasons, uh, it's one of the reasons why, they, why hell was invited. I mean, it was, um, it, as I said before, there, one of them was that it was just, there had to be some place to go after the fact because it couldn't be it couldn't be possible that you would just end. Mm. That didn't seem reasonable to anybody. Mm. And the other thing is also um, that um, uh, I, I come back to my notion that life is just so. Uh, un, that if you're not if you're not a, a ruler yourself or a king, and life is just unfair, and it doesn't seem doesn't just doesn't seem right malefactors should get away with things. It just doesn't seem right. And so there's got to be a balancing. If you believe in God, therefore you pretty much have to believe in the other side because surely uh, if you believe that uh, God is all, uh, all uh, encompassing and all uh, benevolent, how come evil exists? Well, therefore there must be a devil because otherwise, uh, and, and then you ask yourself, well, if God is omnipotent and all important and all, or seeing why does he allow hell to exist? This is something the theologians haven't yet 
solved, I don't believe. Yeah. Uh, why, how come an all-powerful God would have a rival? They don't quite, they don't quite get it. Anyway. Maybe because it would be very boring, right? But you, well, you, yeah. you know, because again, going back to making sense, like, uh, yeah. And I think the other, the other reason why I think hell exists, why the other reason that churches and, and religions and theologians um, insisted that hell was true is that they had to have a stick to beat people with. Mm-hmm. So that control if, if they have, they have their followers. And if the followers didn't believe them and acted out, you had to have some way of chastising them and threatening them with hellfire after the fact kept, kept them in, uh, kept them in, um, in, from, from straying out of what uh, the, the, whatever the particular judgment part of the particular authority or particular religion believed was right and true and correct and gospel. And if anybody didn't believe in that, well, you're better. Otherwise, we're going to get you. You'll be get you after after death, and Satan will get you. And it's a form of social control, called soul soul control. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, going on to that, I mean, the reality is that in the Middle Ages, there was you know there were highwaymen, there was thievery, there was all kinds of bad stuff going on all the time. Yeah, that was and, right. Yeah. And it was a very the, insecure life. Life was very insecure. Yeah. Well, even if you followed the rules, it was still insecure, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. And and, and you I, had, we have. I mean, we have pandemics now, but they had the the Black Plague made COVID look. I mean, Black Plague killed somewhere between forty and sixty percent of the entire population of Europe in the in the mid third mid fourteen mid thirteen hundred thirteen sixty eight. And it was and, it was and they, of course they had and they had no idea what caused it. I mean, people had no idea what disease was. They just, it came out of nowhere. And therefore, it must have been sin that produced it. So it must have, we, must have, we must have done something wrong in order to justify this awful thing happening to us. And so there must therefore, there must therefore be a, a devil to cause all this. Otherwise, why would it happen? Well, yeah, and, and you look at the artwork from that period and you're like... Whoa! Oh, I mean, some of the some of the uh, portrayals of uh, of hell are uh, grotesque. Uh, the, the tortures and uh, I mean, one I, I, I think one of my one of the chapters I'm I'm most fond of in this book was uh, was the uh, who does what to whom in terms of punishment. <laughs> I mean, and and, and the, some of the some of the punishments. Are my, I think my favorite is in one version of Buddhism there was a thing called the sword leaf tree. This was a tree that was 45 kilometers tall with thorns uh, about a meter long. And what happens is that the, the, uh, this was a hell for people who cheated on the, for guys who cheated on their wives, right? So this was a hell specifically set aside for them. So what they would do at the foot of the street and 45 miles up, 45 kilometers up, they would see these uh, seductive uh, women and they would rush up the tree uh, being cut to shreds by the thorns on the way up. By the time they got to the, the top, they were completely in the tatters, flesh everywhere, blood everywhere. And then uh, because of karma, they got suddenly healed and they'd look down and see all those uh, soft-bodied women at the bottom of the tree and they would rush down again. And this would go on for thousands and thousands of cycles. Uh, I mean, the, you know, who, in, who thought this up? 
you know, what kind of mind has invented this um, uh, torment? Just you, you imagine. I mean, uh, it's it, it's if, our version of fiction it has nothing on some of those some of those tortures. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's Be Beowulf. That that story was invented to you know tell around campfires and stuff like that and it was very That's long right. because yeah. it's like hey you know uh, i got nowhere else to be so let's you know let's hammer out all the details kind of thing so i wonder if that's where this inventive inventiveness comes in is that they're like okay well we got nothing else to do let's think of something oddly specific well some of the but these sagas go back a long way i mean the, the earliest yeah. view of uh, the earliest uh, um the earliest piece of writing that we know was the Epic of Gilgamesh, mm. which was 40, somewhere around 4,000 uh, years before our, our era, before Christianity, before the Christ was born. And, 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 and that already, con uh, already contained a fairly worked out vision of, of um, uh, the afterlife and um, that the 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 hero of the uh, of the epic uh, his quest to to have eternal life instead of being consigned to hell but they already knew then what they thought was and it was it was very cultural specific it was very um geographically specific it was uh, it, it, everything that so that their the readers of this of this uh, epic would know exactly what they meant uh, when the when they described the torments, because they were torments that they could see in their own lives, and they had to, right. these were the way of making sense of them, I think, to some degree. And that's a and the other part of it, which you just mentioned, uh, around a camp campfire, telling story, telling tall tales of what, and that's what a lot of people who, who've been to hell and back uh, try to outdo each other with the luridness of their tales, and the bigger the flames, and the right. more, e <laughs> more evil the devil. The flame was this big, yeah. And the hotter the cauldrons of oil, and the, you know, the sharper the sharper the knives, and the and the uh, the more disgusting the liquids that they were immersed in. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the Hindus were particularly good at that. There was one of the hells where people were immersed up to their necks in a in a lake of urine and feces for the that's for eternity. I mean, that would not be. Uh, uh, it's something you can see that. So the people who are angry in their own lives would wish on yeah. their worst enemies, wouldn't they? That's something you, you if you don't straighten up, that's where you're going to go. That's yeah, gonna, we're going to do this to you. They're going to get you. What you you, you kind of see that on the internet on certain chat forums, like the the, the things that people type to each other. It's like holy oh, smokes. You wonder right? where they're coming from. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I I guess that's kind of like my point is that. All the, all this has been designed. It's all just like kind of like a strange fabrication, right? Like this is these are just stories. Yeah, but somehow we got to take them seriously. I, that's, right. That's that's what how that got translated from uh, by from being at, uh, kind of frightened or intimidated or even charmed or delighted by a story to believing that these stories were really actually part of reality. Right. Uh, that's where that's where uh, that's where a belief in the afterlife. That's where a belief in gods came in. A god because uh, gods were omnipotent and they could do that to you. 
and but how we got into that is i mean my guess is we always had that that it probably was no really primitive society that didn't have some view of uh, of an afterlife and some view of try and make sense of why things happened you know why there were floods why there were disease why there was uh why there was uh, killing why there were famine uh why there was this why there was why there was lightning it had, to, it, had it had to be a reason for that and I, because people like to explain things i think people always have and i think the reason this hell seemed to be quite plausible as an explanation for some of the things that they observed in the in their in their in the world around them as as well as a good way of like you know i have a 10 month old daughter right yeah. and if we're to go back 350 years say well you know you should be a good person or you're going to go to hell right oh, that's and it's like oh okay oh you yeah. so and 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 you, and you would tell your daughter exactly what hell was like so she would yeah. believe it so she yeah. would be frightened by it i better go therefore, to church yeah. and therefore and therefore behave yeah Fortunately, so, we don't. Fortunately, we don't uh, uh, frighten our children quite that way anymore. Well, I I almost view that as a as a term of like you know, using that as a punishment is it's almost like a form of child abuse. It know? is. Like, it, I think it is abusive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, people in the theologians and and the, the devout would would obviously disagree with you. They would think it's uh, perfectly reasonable. But I agree with you. It's a to to. Uh, to frighten small children with uh, with the torments of eternal life, it seems to be abusive. I would agree with that. Now, so again, going back to your book, what what do you think is the future of you know our beliefs? Because you talk about ancient Egypt; it lasted for uh, four thousand years, essentially. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Christianity is in its its second millennium. Second, second millennium. Yeah, it's hard to know, but you. you, you even even now we're with the secularization of of our society with more more and more people becoming less and less interested in in those kind of stories right even now the number of people who believe in hell is is, is surprisingly uh, large uh, hmm. last survey saw well over 40 percent of north americans canadians and the united states believe in some version of hell even now even after all this time so the, the the this view of the afterlife is quite persistent now how long will that there, there was a optimistic view in my view optimistic uh 20 years ago that that uh, religion was falling out of favor that uh, the secular view and the scientific view would uh, prevail and that people would sort of uh, see um the uh, basic implausibility of the religious project, but you know what? It's not doesn't seem to be happening. People still seem to believe and need to believe in something, some greater power, whether for good or for ill. History, they talk about, uh, you know, pr progressivism, like you know, society is progressing, but then they also talk about regression or. Reformation. Yeah, I, I th it was always, it's always been a, a, the kind of a Western European, for at least for the last, since the, since the Renaissance anyway, since the uh, enlightenment of the 1700s, there's a kind of belief in progress that we're going to get better, that we're going to be more, uh, we're going to be richer, wealthier, um, healthier, and more enlightened. And I think it was a, 
product of its time and with an optimistic view of life. And I'm not sure that our modern world really supports the case as much as uh, I think it should. I think we're not, we can, I think there are cycles. I think we progress and then we regress and then we progress again and then we regress. And I think in some instances, you could say that in, in, in our current view, that we're at a stage where we, we're falling backwards rather than moving forward. Right. And and why why do you think that's happening? Why it's I don't it's just uh, I think disillusionment with uh, people uh, were were uh, led to believe that things would be constantly in improvement, and when they see they're not, when they when mm. their own their own lives don't seem to be as uh, as enjoyable or as uh, uh, rewarding or as, uh, as flexible as as they would have as they think they should under a, a progressive uh, view of, of the future. They think there must be something going wrong. And I think that they would look for reasons why it's going wrong rather than for reasons why it could be right. And I think that's why people persist in, in, in these views of the afterlife. Well, it, it almost seems that for a lot of people, hell, like, you know, you, you hear about people like, my life is a living hell. <laughs> Right, right, and right. except they don't mean it in the literal sense. Of where, course, where yeah. you're in a cauldron of boiling oil and your right, skin is right. coming off all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. but this idea of hell as a more like it's this boring, monotonous, and 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 and, and unpleasant, also unpleasant. Yeah, thank you, unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not it's not so much uh, torment as uh, as just it's not nearly as as enthralling or as interesting or as uplifting as as we thought it should be and therefore there must be something um, that uh, explains that and that's still true of us i think yeah and the interesting thing is that you know not to be too philosophical but you know our way out of our own hell our key to it is in ourselves yes Yes, I think so. It's all, you know, it's internal. It's up to us. It's not up, it's not up to some omnipotent God or some yeah. omnipotent devil. Uh, the only people who can get us out of this are us. And that's something we have to focus on. And that's something which we have to keep working on. You can't just assume it that people are going to believe that. You have to keep uh, working at it. That, that's our task, I guess. Yeah. Or it's your, 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 your task. My generation is pretty much over now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you're, you're still doing great stuff. This book is awesome. So, I mean, I, I loved it. Um, well, so, the sort of the, the, the last thing that, you know, I'm so drawn to is, again, going back to this idea of I love heavy metal. And right. there's this band called Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of them. But no, the church no, I... is like, the church is like, these guys are demon worshipers. But the funny yeah. thing is, is that this idea of hell and the, again, the iconography of hell is yeah. what has created, the church created heavy metal oh, and did. violent video games. Yeah. Where, 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 where do those imagery come from? Of course, exactly. it comes from, Christian, from a Christian view of hell. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. They have nobody but themselves to blame. Quite right, quite right. <laughs> and, and let's go. Let's let's go about blaming them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so what's next for you? For uh, I mean, this is your most recent book. What's yeah. What's next? Oh, there's always something in the works. I'm doing mm -hmm. actually a book on uh, 
on um, uh, the history of man's man's use of wood, w wood and trees, and the history of trees. It's just, and um, it's called the the um, the longbow, the schooner, and the violin. It's all three artifacts made of wood. It'll be essays on three of those, and uh, that's where we're going. I'm, I haven't finished it yet, so I can't tell you how it where it comes out. Why, I look forward to reading it. And again, <laughs> Hell and Damnation, that's out. You can get that on uh, Amazon. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, Amazon will do. All yeah. right. So awesome. Okay, thanks. Well, thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. Thank okay. you. Take care. Okay. All right, you too. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Once again, that was Mark DeVilliers, author of Hell and Damnation, A Sinner's Guide to Eternal Torment. Be sure to check that out. It's, uh, it's a damned good read, uh, and you can get that on Amazon. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, comment, all those fun things with your friends and family. I'm probably wrong about everything. <laughs>